Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. What a crazy week it has been. I am so glad to report that it is Friday and work is done for the week. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but my week has been insane. It is one of those weeks where no matter what projects you put into motion, none of them get done. Um, I've got about a thousand different editing projects going on at the same time, and none of them are even close to being done. Uh, work has been nuts. Uh, my students have been, how shall I say, over-energetic this week, right? And uh, here we are. It's Friday. so. <laughs> and, and to boot, I still have this crazy cold that's been going on for, I swear, uh, like two months now. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with that, but... Uh, I still have this little little trickle in my throat with the cough and all that good stuff. Um, you know, what's a guy to do? I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody else out there is experiencing the same thing, but this thing will not give up the ghost. Uh, so if you hear me coughing at all during this broadcast, I apologize in advance. I, I thought by now it would have been gone, but what are you going to do? Um, anyway, it is now officially December, uh, and you know what that means. In my book, that means it's winter time. So, uh, as I've said before, we are into the cold weather, and it's time to get moving on on our, our snowy winter wonderland explorations. Um, if you're like me, you've got your, your extra jacket out, your hat, your gloves, your, your five layers, you know, your, your socks, you know, whatever. You're ready to go. You've got your winter gear uh, ready, to, ready to hit the road, uh, and it's coming. Um, I don't know, uh, I don't actually know what it's supposed to be this weekend here in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know if it's supposed to be nice or not, but uh, it doesn't matter because the clock is ticking. It won't be long until we have snow, and that means we'll have to deal with that. Um, but that's part of the fun of exploration, right? You never know what you're going to get. Uh, a lot of you guys probably, if you, if you know me, you know I'm not a huge fan of winter. I am not a fan at all. I, I could do without the snow. Uh, it does It does provide some cool things to shoot in some of these abandoned buildings we hit, uh, especially when it freezes and you get icicles and, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. But the downside is, you know, it's it's snow and you got to walk through it and you got to clean it off your car and shovel it off your driveway and all that good stuff. So, you know, pros and cons. But uh, what are you going to do? It's here and we're going to walk through it. Um, anyway, um, I hope you guys are all having a, a great week. Hope you had a great week, uh, and that a good weekend is, is coming up. Hopefully you're getting out there and getting some stuff done. I, for one, am staying in this weekend. I'm taking the weekend off. All right. I was actually up in, in, a, uh, in, in Flint, Michigan last weekend, Flint and Saginaw, Michigan with my, with my, with my boy, Wasteland Explorer. We were up there doing some stuff last weekend. So that was kind of a full, full plate. Uh, this weekend, I'm just taking taking it off, relaxing, kicking back, getting some Christmas decorations up, doing some shopping, editing some photos. Uh, so it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a laid back uh, weekend here at the at the Mr. PHQ. Um, I, I want to thank all you guys uh, who have been emailing me and messaging me about about the show. Um, I had a, a crazy uh, situation last week where I sat down and, and was just kind of having a, a mopey moment about about how things were going with this. And uh, you know, I'm, I, I can never be too sure how I'm doing with this show. Uh, I get people that tell me that they're listening to it, but yet the analytics on Anchor FM never really tell me much. So I have no idea who's actually listening or what the what the vibe is, or you know how anybody uh, is taking it. So. It's nice to get an email every now and again. I, I have gotten a few, so that makes me feel a little better. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, it is always a work in progress, as you guys know. Um, 
there's lots of things I would like to do with this podcast, but it's it's tough because of uh, you know I'd love to have actual music and stuff like that and bumpers and and all that good stuff, but it's hard to do when you have to deal with copyright infringement and all of that other garbage that that just you know there's not much you can do about it. Um, I don't know. I I I I've, I've been talking to myself. My, my I sit there and talk to myself in the car. It's crazy, but uh, on what I'd like to do with this show. Um, I want to do something different. I want to do something that hasn't been done before. There's tons of podcasts out there, tons of them where people are talking about abandoned buildings and, and you know having other explorers on. And, and I'd like to do a little bit of that, sure, but I'd like to try to find a, a new niche, something something different, something unique. So uh, you know, I'm still I'm still pondering that. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, uh, inspiration hits at weird times. So we shall see what happens with that. Uh, but today. I'd like to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, a, 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 a town not so far away from Cleveland, uh, a town that I've actually kind of forgotten to talk about, and I can't understand why because I've been there so many times. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, Youngstown is about a mile from where I'm sitting, or not, a, I'm, I'm sorry, it's about an hour away from where I'm sitting. It is definitely not a mile away, but uh, it's, it's, it's about an hour away from where I'm sitting uh, and about an hour away from Pittsburgh, so it's, it's, it's not too far away. Uh, it is definitely an industrial town with lots of cool stuff to see, abandoned or otherwise. Uh, and I have been there many times, and we've we've had some crazy adventures there. So I figured today would be a good day to talk about Youngstown. Uh, if you're not from Northeast Ohio, uh, if you're from Michigan or you know uh, Indiana or someplace like that, um, it is a smaller town. Think like Flint, Michigan, or maybe maybe a little bit smaller than Gary, but it's 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 you know of that size, right? Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the history of Youngstown, uh, maybe get into you know, kind of what happened in Youngstown and, uh, and, and you know, what we've done there. Uh, there's some cool stuff to talk about. So for the next half hour or so, just, you know, chill out, grab a drink, grab a snack, warm something up to eat, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Youngstown. Uh, Youngstown is situated on the Mahoning River. Uh, it's in eastern, northeastern Ohio, almost, almost in Pennsylvania. You know, it's like miles from the border. Uh, it's about 50, 50-something miles uh, southeast of Cleveland and about roughly the same northwest of Pittsburgh. So it's right smack dab in the middle. Uh, the coolest thing, the coolest thing, and I didn't even realize this until I did some research, is Youngstown's about midway between Chicago and New York. Uh, if, you, if you travel Interstate 80, it's like almost smack dab in the middle, which is kind of cool. Uh, the city itself is named for John Young, who was an early settler from New York, uh, who showed up uh, and set up the first uh, sawmill and grist mill right there on the Mahoning. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a Midwest city, but it's also uh, on the edge of the Appalachian Mountains. So it's kind of got the best of both worlds going on there. Um, uh, it's definitely getting a little hilly. When you get there, you can definitely tell it's got more hills. It's more more like the Pittsburgh area than it is like Cleveland. Uh, but it was definitely a, a, a happening industrial hub as of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Uh, heavy duty on steel. Uh, steel was, you know, they were in the perfect place to, to make steel. You've got the coal mines and the pig iron and all that stuff coming in from PA. Uh, it was, it was a perfect place to make steel. It was a huge steel industry town. Uh, and it was like that up until, you know, the 1970s when all hell broke loose. As you guys know, uh, in our country here in the United States and, and probably elsewhere, uh, that was the time when uh, steel companies decided, you know what, we can make money uh, making steel in other countries where we don't have to pay our workers very much. So a lot of those steel jobs just went bye-bye and, uh, you know, leaving those towns uh, as they are today. 
Uh, and Youngstown was no different. In fact, Youngstown probably got hit harder than any of the towns or the cities around it, the bigger cities. You know, Cleveland obviously got hit. Pittsburgh got hit, but not as bad as Youngstown. Uh, Youngstown has still yet to completely recover from that, uh, if, if it ever will. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, the, the big, the big, the big name in town, uh, back before the, the, the late 1970s was Youngstown Sheet and Tube. Um, huge, huge, uh, plant there that, that made all kinds of steel and metal, uh, pieces, parts, and, uh, just, just thousands of people worked there. Thousands of people were, were employed there. Uh, and in the 1970s, and this is a day that no person in Youngstown will ever forget. It's just a part of their history. September 19th, 1977, uh, it's a day called Black Monday. Um, they know it. There's Black Monday. It was it's it's it was this horrible situation where uh, Youngstown Sheet and Tube uh, furloughed five thousand workers, and uh, they just showed up one morning, and uh, there was no job. Uh, they all showed up with their with their you know with their normal attire and lunch pails, and the gates were closed, and there was a sign saying "So long, thanks for playing," and that was what started the dominoes falling uh, in in Youngstown started the, the steel mills closing and all the other businesses that were attached to them started closing and people started leaving. And uh, it, it, typical story you hear in so many Rust Belt cities. Um, we've talked about that before. Uh, the Rust Belt, you know, it, it's 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 a sad place because of, I guess I could call it greed. I don't know. I, the, the economy, greed, I don't know. But, uh, you know, nowadays uh, it's definitely not as populated as it used to be, Right. A uh, huge decline in population. We're talking 60% of the population has left Youngstown since 1959. Uh, a huge amount of people. Uh, and, and again, where Pittsburgh or Cleveland has kind of diversified and, and, and changed up its, its industries and, and, and survived, you know, Youngstown didn't have that oomph, uh, the ability to do that. So, you know, it's, it's still not recovered. Uh, if I had to, the, the greatest thing here is, is that Bruce Springsteen wrote a song about Youngstown uh, off of the Ghost of Tom Joad album, uh, 1995, and it, it nails, like, it just, it gets the feel of Youngstown completely. Like, you feel the angst and the, and the, the sadness in this song. Um, it talks about the steel mills and how they closed and all that. Uh, so I figured I would I would do you guys I, I have a dramatic reading for you guys with some little stories in between to explain some things but I want to read the, the lyrics from from the song Youngstown um, again it's a great it's a great tune by by Bruce Springsteen check it out I mean it's on YouTube you can you can pull it up but uh, the song starts off and I, I've taken out the chorus just to, just to get through it and and you know. But anyway, uh, the song starts here in Northeast Ohio back in 1803. James and Danny Heaton found the ore that was lying in Yellow Creek. I'm not exactly sure where Yellow Creek is. I want to say it's in Western PA. If you know, you know, let us know in the comments. I, I'm, I'm thinking it's in Western PA. I'm not quite sure. All right, they built a blast furnace here along the shore, and they made the cannonballs that helped the Union win the war, which is obviously a reference to you know the Civil War. Um, uh, my daddy worked the furnaces, kept them hotter than hell. I came home from Nam, worked my way to Scarfer, a job that suit the devil as well. Um, so obviously he's you know multi generational, right? Dad worked there. He came home from Vietnam, got a job. Uh, a Scarfer, from what I from what I could tell, a Scarfer is somebody who would who would uh, when the, when the steel came out, uh, still hot. These guys would go and, and chip off uh, little pieces, parts that shouldn't be there, like little specks and stuff that shouldn't be on the steel. So it was, it was a it was a shitty job that didn't pay very well, but 
you know, it was a job. Um, and it definitely would suit the devil well. I, 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 if you've never looked at, at, at any kind of video or any kind of old footage of what a steel mill was like, um, it looks like hell. I mean, the heat in there, hundreds and hundreds of degrees, uh, you know, it's, it's, it may as well be the underworld, right? Um, all right, continuing on with the song. Uh, Taconite, coke, and limestone fed my children and made my pay. Then smokestacks reaching like the arms of God into a beautiful sky of soot and clay, which is an awesome imagery, all right? Uh, again, if you're from an industrial city, you know, Cleveland, Detroit, uh, Youngstown, Buffalo, you've seen these smokestacks. You've seen them reaching up with soot, you know, flying out of them. You've, you've seen it, um, and you know it's a pretty awesome sight. You know, they're, they're larger than life. They're huge. Um, you know, like, like God just put them there, <laughs> and there they are, all right? Uh, well, my daddy came on the Ohio Works when he come home from World War II. Now the yards just scrap and rubble. He said, them big boys did what Hitler couldn't do. Damn. All right, so basically, you know, here these steel mills helped us win World War II, and it was greed and the CEOs and the companies that destroyed the place when Hitler couldn't, right? That's pretty pretty crazy, um, and that's definitely true. All right, these mills, they built the tanks and bombs that won this country's wars. We sent our sons to Korea and Vietnam. Now we're wondering what they were dying for, all right? You know, yeah, they came home and got jobs, and their generation got cut off, all right? These steel mills closed down uh, when that when that Vietnam generation came back from war. They needed jobs, and they didn't get them. <laughs> the, the plants closed, all right? Uh, from the Monongahela Valley to the Masabi Iron Range to the coal mines of Appalachia, the story's always the same. 700 tons of metal a day. Now, sir, you tell me the world's changed once I made you rich enough, rich enough to forget my name. Damn. Again, <laughs> that's rough. All right, Bruce. Bruce doesn't pull any punches. When Bruce writes a song, Bruce writes a song. All right. Um, he's basically, you know, and it's true, you know, right? You, we were good enough to work for you, but then, you know, when it came, came time to take care of us and, and keep us working, you just said hell with you, and, and you let us go, and now we have nothing. Um, you know, and, and you don't care, right? Uh, songs finished off. All right. Uh, uh, let's see here. When I die, I don't want no part of heaven. I would not do heaven's work well. I pray the devil comes and takes me to stand in the fiery furnaces of hell. My sweet Jenny, I'm sinking down here, darling, in Youngstown. All right, that's how the song ends. Um, it, it, so that it's it, if you, I don't do it any justice. I'm doing it no justice whatsoever. But uh, you know, check out the song, listen to it, um, and you can feel, you can feel what those guys went through. I mean, it's just, it's you know, it's a sad thing. Um, now, in the song, they mention My Sweet Jenny. They're not talking about a woman. I mean, they might be, but what they're talking about is uh, one of the blast furnaces in uh, at Youngstown Sheet and Tube. Uh, they actually named their blast furnaces after women, and the one that he's talking about is the Jeanette Blast Furnace. They called her Jenny. Um, you know, they, they anthropomorphized these, <laughs> these, uh, these, these blast furnaces, so Jenny was, was the Jeanette Blast Furnace. All right, they shut that down in 77. Um, and you, up until maybe 10 years ago, that, that blast furnace stood there on the, on the, on the Mahoning River. It was rusting completely, you know, just this huge, massive bulk, you know, of a, of a, of a blast furnace just sitting there rusting away. Uh, and they finally took it down. Uh, they demolished the whole thing. Um, now I have been, I have been to the site of Youngstown Sheet and Tube. I've been there. I've explored around there. Uh, there are still parts of the plant up 
um, that are now used by different companies. Some of them are used as storage. Some of them are still empty and just are owned by somebody, and nothing's going on with them. Um, but the main, the main, the, the blast furnace area. That's all gone. All that's left are these giant concrete footings. So imagine these giant concrete, you know, football fields long, uh, these giant, you know, concrete uh, foundations, basically. Uh, and f- when you first come upon them, they look like some, some kind of huge medieval fortress. They look like, like they were built as a, as a fortress. Uh, and you can walk around the whole thing. It's hard to explain, but if, if you go onto Google, uh, Google Maps and you check out the old uh, sheet and tube uh, down in Struthers, Ohio. Struthers is right, right south of Youngstown, where this was at. You, you can see them. You can see the footprint. It's huge. And you, you can drive right up to them. Um, and you can tell at one point this was a huge industrial area. There are dozens and dozens of old rusted tracks that were never pulled out of there. They're just sitting there. Uh, you know, the rust is just real thick. You can tell that nobody's used them in decades. Uh, the weeds are all growing through them. There's a couple little boxcars sitting there that are just rusting away that no one's moved. You know, it's a bleak, it's a bleak, bleak place. Uh, in fact, I, one of the things that, that hit my mind when I saw this place uh, was an old Shelley poem called Ozymandias. I remember reading this in school, and it just seemed appropriate for, for a place this big. All right, the blast furnaces. Uh, look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. Which, boom, that's, I mean, you can't get much more epic than that, than, than the blast furnaces for something like that. But uh, speaking of, of Youngstown Sheet and Tube, that's, that's what I wanted to get. The first story that I'm going to tell you guys today has to do with um, the people that worked there. Uh, not so much the people, well, the people that worked there and where they actually lived. All right, um... Everybody that worked at Sheet and Tube had to live somewhere, and uh, none of them wanted to commute from miles and miles away. So uh, that's where we enter into a place uh, known as Iron Soup, which is a strange name, but uh, bear with me here. All right, Iron Soup. All right, what the hell is Iron Soup? Well, uh, in Struthers, Ohio, I'm sorry, Camel, Ohio, Camel, Ohio, uh, which is right there as well. Struthers and Camel are right next to each other. Make sure you call it Camel, not Campbell. It's spelled C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, but never call it Campbell. The locals will correct you instantly. It's Camel. Camel. All right, pronounce, you know, like like Camel, Desert Camel. All right. Um, so, you know, Youngstown Sheet and Tube was built in 1900 in this spot, right along the Mahoning River, right there in Camel. Um, it, it, it stretched from Youngstown all the way down south. It was just a huge complex. All right, and it was the biggest thing going. And people, people worked. Thousands and thousands of people worked at, at sheet, uh, sheet and tube. Um, it was like the beating heart of the region. You know, like all the other businesses kind of fell into that, right? Um, and none of them wanted to live far away. They all wanted to live within proximity of these huge mills, uh, so they could walk to work. You don't have to worry about driving or taking a bus or a train. Um, and uh, the community uh, around decided, you know, the the, the the company actually decided that we're gonna we're gonna build a place for our workers to live. All right. Um, so right around 1918 was when our story begins here. Uh, sheet and Tube, they had a huge labor strike, a very violent labor strike where people went, I mean, people were pissed. And um, to kind of soften things up, uh, Sheet and Tube built affordable housing for thousands of its workers right across the bridge from the factory. So you could cross over the bridge, across uh, the Mahoning River, and boom, your houses were right there. Um, they, uh, kind of did something really cool. This was, this was, uh, in 1918, so this, we're talking a hundred years ago. Uh, 
the company built uh, this huge, sprawling, uh, miniature city, uh, which was basically the first modern apartment complex ever built, uh, the first prefabricated construction project in America. This was state-of-the-art for the time. They basically built huge uh, concrete buildings. Everything was built out of concrete. The stairs, everything was concrete, um, which made it you know, easier to, 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 to work with. So they, they, they built the first huge apartment complex for their workers. It was a, it was a community, a, a, a workers' community, a workers' town. All right. Uh, it was made of solid concrete, and there were 248 units. Um, they, I will tell you this from personal experience. They were very narrow. There were no, no special things attached. You, know, you had two bedrooms, uh, and, and they were very small bedrooms. You could raise a small family in there. Uh, each employee that got one of these apartments got a stove, an icebox, um, you know, an exterior entrance to a basement shower. You had to shower in the basement, all right, um, which was where they usually went to wash off all the toxic sludge that they had all over them when they came home from work, all right? So God only knows what was in the water supply when they would, would, would get out of there uh, and, and, and wash off every night. Um, no luxuries, all right? This place was very, um, you know, it, it was very basic, but it was, it, was, it was home. It was a home to live in, all right? Um, now the company owned the home, you know, you basically paid them rent to live in the homes, uh, so you could live close to work, but at least it was better than having to live, you know, miles and miles away. You could walk to work, which, you know, saved you some money, I guess. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they also had a company store and a company bank and all of that, you know, any, anything you spent went right back to the company. Any, any paycheck you got paid went right back into the company. Uh, company stores were, were vicious like that. But in any case, you have this huge 248-unit apartment complex community, all right, all, all, all laid out uh, there. Now, you can go there today, and it, it's still there. I mean, today it's called Iron Soup. There are still a few people living there, all right, but if you go down to Camel, all right, um, you know, you can go see this place, all right, and... Uh, Sadly, what happened, again, you know, on, on, on September 19th, 1977, all these people that lived in Iron Soup, you know, got up in the morning, shaved, took a shower, ate some breakfast, got their lunch pail together, kissed their wife and kids goodbye, uh, met up with their neighbors, walked down the street, walked down the hill to the river, crossed the bridge, and uh, came to the front gates of the Camel Works, right, of Youngstown Sheet and Tube, and what did they find there, again, but a, a, you know, closed gates and a sign telling you that you no longer had a job, right, no warning, no soft landing, just thanks for playing, have a nice life, all right, now, for these men and women, um, this was like an incomprehensible thing, the mill had always been there, it always provided jobs, and now it's gone, it's closed, it's done, all right, and for the region, this was the beginning of a slow apocalypse. All right, just, this is where everything fell apart. So, as I said before, uh, 1977, Black Monday is is a huge date in in Youngstown history, and uh, it, it, it was a sad date. All right, um, this was the only home these people have really ever known. A lot of these people had grown up here. You know, their families had lived here multiple generations from the 20s all the way to the 70s. So these people had lived there. This was their home, and now there are no jobs. Um, you know, the mills closed down and uh, all the other companies in town that fed into it or that were you know, like, like, like auxiliary buildings, they closed down, so there were no jobs there. Uh, it was like a domino effect. Everybody started losing their jobs. And 
you know, the town got smaller and smaller. People, people who could leave and find jobs somewhere else did. Uh, and those who couldn't um, suffered. I mean, they, they, it went from paycheck, you know, they had a paycheck to being on assistance or, you know, it, it was horrible, horrible poverty. Uh, this once booming town uh, became this this just this wreck. And now, when you go there, if you go to Iron Soup, and you can you can go there and drive through the streets there, uh, a lot of it still stands, and it's mostly empty, and it's all crumbling, and it looks like something out of a Fallout game. I mean, there are whole sections of these apartments that are empty and that are left the way they were when people left in 1977. A lot of these apartments were left behind. As 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 is, people left most of their belongings there because they couldn't afford to take them with them. So uh, they were they just locked the door and they left. And uh, now you still have some of these buildings that are completely abandoned and, and naturally decaying. And inside are you know pieces, parts of someone's lost life. Right? You've got furniture. You've got uh, utensils. You've got plates and uh, you know beds and. Uh, you know, old books and, and magazines. I mean, magazines going back to the 70s. Um, all kinds of things, um, unfortunately, you know. And, and you can go see these things. Um, but it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Uh, there are a few people that still live there. They're still holding on. Um, but it's not the nicest of places to live. It's a little rough. Um, not a lot of amenities, all right? Um, these, are, these are tough people that live there, tough as nails. Uh, they, they are still hanging on to what was theirs from back in the day. Um, you know, they still call it home. Uh, a lot of them are boarded up, and they're, they're in very serious disrepair. Uh, and and I, I haven't quite found out why they call it Iron Soup. It's kind of a cool name. Uh, I guess the community was just always called that. Uh, the the, the steelworkers must have must have tagged it as that, and that's what it's been. Now there is a group called the Iron Soup Preservation Society that's working hard to bring the area back, one unit at a time. Uh, they work on uh, donations, and uh, they are working to rebuild some of these places and hopefully bring them back. Um, they're looking at making it one. Uh, they have a museum going there, a small museum where one of these uh, units has been brought back, and they've they've kind of set it up the way it would have looked back in back in the day. You can go visit that. Um, they're doing the best they can uh, to try to tell the stories of what happened there before they're forgotten. You know, a lot of these people that live there are getting older, and they're not there to tell the story anymore. So any way they can try to preserve this and keep it going, that's what they're doing. Um, so they run tours. Uh, they run tours to raise money to rebuild and renovate as much as they can, and uh, they're hoping to bring some new tenants in. And they've done it. I've seen I've seen some of the the resurrected buildings, and um, they they look pretty good, right? For for what they for what they've uh, been given to work with. So um, it's been tough. It's been 15 years they've been working on this. They've been working on it now. From what I understand, there are some assholes in Camel who want to tear this place down. They think of it as an eyesore. Uh, they want to get rid of it. Um, you know, people from the from the from the better side of town. From what I'm told. Now, again, I'm hearing it from one side. Uh, the people that I know that are there, I, I have some people that I, I've talked to in Camel uh, who live here who have been telling me this stuff. So I, I don't know the second side, but uh, from what I've been told, there's some real pieces of work uh, that live downriver uh, who are. Uh, you know, from the from the from the hoity-toity side of town that want to get rid of the place, tear it down. I I don't know for what, um, but 
that's been the case. There's been all kinds of back and forth going on and arguments and fights and uh it's it's been a mess. Um you know, uh I have tried to help out here. I I've, I've done my part to try to help out um the the the, the guy that runs the place. Um we have uh, we, we I actually wrote the Atlas Obscura article for Iron Soup. If you go on Atlas Obscura, if you're not familiar with it, you know, Atlas Obscura is an awesome site, by the way. If you've never gotten on there, hop on there and, and go down the rabbit hole. It's pretty cool. Um, but we wrote an article for him for that to get people, hopefully, to come and visit and take the tour. So I was happy to do that for them. And from what I understand, uh, they, they've had an uptick in people coming and paying to take the tour, which which goes back to fixing things and buying supplies and drywall and, and nails and whatever, right? Um which I, I was very happy to know that that was happening. Uh, last I heard, a paranormal show, I, I don't remember which one it was, showed up last year to do an episode at Iron Soup, um, and they did some ghost hunting there, which also brought some attention. Um, I have yet to find out or watch that, but it was, it was, I was going to say it was last year. But uh, the fight continues. Um, the fight continues to save this place. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to explain just how sad the insides of these places are, because this when you walk into one of these houses... Right, you can see that. I mean, this was somebody's home. This wasn't just a place. This wasn't a hotel room. This wasn't. I mean, this was somebody's. This was somebody's place. This is where they belonged, right? And uh, the explorers we've done there, we've seen some crazy things that that kind of brought that to the forefront. Uh, the first time I ever went there was a New Year's Eve day, 2018. All right, I wasn't even shooting with a real camera yet. I had, I had my wonderful, beautiful Panasonic point-and-click that you've all heard about before. All right, but we went out there, and uh, it was it was actually a mellow, warmish day for December 31st. We were there. Uh, we met the owner who was running the tours and our tour guide, who has become a good friend of ours. Uh, she took us around and showed us where we could go and where we couldn't go. There are some apartments you stay away from because they're they're occupied, but anything that wasn't occupied, we were allowed to go into. And almost all of them were open, wide open. You know, the doors were open. You could just walk right in. The basement doors were open. You know, all that stuff. Uh, but so many of these apartments, there were so many belongings left behind. Like just stuff. From, it was like a time capsule. You know, frozen in time. There were toothbrushes. Uh, there were dishes, furniture, toys, uh, board games. Uh, just, just like flotsam left behind from 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 the seventies. The paint inside was this brightly colored lead-based paint, uh, which gave every apartment kind of this 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 like ultra glow to the paint. It's not like today where things are muted. This is like this bright uh, this bright colored paint that the lead brings out. Um, if you've never seen lead-based paint, check it out. You'll see there's a big difference between just how bright it just it brings a, a brighter color, right? You you know lead-based paint when you see it. Uh, there were this, this ancient 1960s paisley wallpaper, you know, the, 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 just the hideous stuff that came out of the late 60s and 70s, still there. Um, we found baby dolls. Like, there were, there were baby dolls everywhere, dolls. Uh, we found one in a sink uh, of a kitchen that somebody had left behind there. Um, probably one of the creepiest things I've ever seen, because here we are walking into this dim house. There's some light coming through the windows, but, you know, we walk into this house, and there's what appears to be a small body in in the sink from, from a distance, and, you know, instantly I was horrified. Like, oh my god, what is this? And, you know, we get closer, and it's a doll. Breathe a sigh of relief, but, you know, that was, it's like, oh god, please don't let this be something, you know, bad. Um, but it was just this this creepy sad baby doll that somebody had left behind. And, and at one point, this baby doll was probably some girl's treasured belonging, right? It was her doll. 
and uh, she left it behind, and it's been there ever since. Um, I don't know how it got in the sink. Who knows? Uh, sometime between now and uh, 1977, it, it managed to find its way there. Um, who knows? Uh, we were in another uh, apartment building, one that had burned, one that had caught on fire, and uh, you could still walk inside of it, but on the on the basement steps, there was just this this baby doll laying there, you know, in in the ashes on the on the basement steps, just you know, just just sitting there looking up with those crazy eyes, you know. I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but those baby dolls always look like they're looking straight at you, like into your soul, right? Those creepy, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but the not the modern dolls, but like dolls that came from like, you know, the fifties and sixties, they had those eyes that when you move the baby doll, the, the lids would open and close. Right. And no matter what you do, they're always staring straight at you. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, one of the things I remember most about that first tour when we went there, was this red chair. <laughs> there was, there was a, a particular apartment that had this, this pinkish reddish, uh, paint to it. Uh, and the sun coming in, it was it was uh, it was that time of the, it was a, it was golden hour. So the sun coming in just lit everything up with this golden light, and there was this chair, this red chair. And I have to laugh because uh, our tour guide, our friend, um, over the last couple of years, that chair has moved from different places all over the complex, and she's gotten pictures of it in different places. So that chair has moved around all over the place, um, you know. But I, I, it really hit me hard when I was wandering around this place and going into these basements and just climbing over, you know, uh, old equipment that had been left behind and like, you know, toolboxes that were sitting there rusting. And I mean, they're, they're, we're talking, you know, stuff that had been left there. It wasn't scrapped. It wasn't, you know, people hadn't gone in there and picked through everything. It was, you know, th there were lunch pails. There was all kinds of stuff left behind from the 70s, from when this place was, you know, the, the, the sheet and tube community. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it's, it was definitely an eye opener and I only wish I would have had my, my, my present camera at that time. Um, things have changed there since then. You know, we were there in 2018. That was four years ago. So almost five. Um, so things have moved around. Some of these units have been cleaned out and the stuff has been, uh, preserved or kept. Um, I don't know. But uh, the next time we went was in 2019, uh, and conditions had changed. Uh, it was the middle of summer, so it was very hot. And at that point, we, um, we just didn't feel comfortable there. For some reason, uh, the, the locals that live there, that do live there, didn't seem very happy to see us. Uh, the owner was cool with us and, and was, you know, was talking to us. But when we moved around the, the complex, it just seemed like some of the people that were there uh, were just getting tired of, of photographers. And it was just a hot, a hot-ass day. They probably didn't have any air conditioning, and they were just annoyed to see us there with our our cameras shooting these ranch, you know, these ramshackle uh, concrete apartments, you know, with vines crawling over them, and you know, just I, I don't know. It just it just seemed like we we didn't spend a lot of time there that day. Uh, we went in and we we took some shots of some different things. Um, there there was a an old lady, a reclusive old lady, I might add, that we were warned about, uh, but she came out and decided to give us a, a whole talking to and yelling at us about how trespassing is a crime and we're on her property and, and, and we weren't. We were we were on the sidewalk. So uh, And we weren't even shooting her house, but uh, she came out and let us have it. Um, so we just kind of... We, we only spent a couple hours there. Uh, it, it was not... It just wasn't the same as the first time around. Uh, the third and final time we went to Iron Soup was in August of 2021. Uh, a lot of the buildings have been torn down. 
All right. Uh, the the battle that some of these people in Camel are waging has been successful. Some of these buildings have been torn down, and there are others that are marked for demolition. So, I, I sadly that trend is probably going to continue, but you never know. I'm, I'm hoping that the the people that run the Preservation Society are able to get enough recognition to have things set up as a, a landmark, a national landmark, to save some of them at least, or a core of them would be awesome. But I don't know. Um, I am going to drop some info on the Iron Soup website, and, and I'll, I'll drop the, uh, the, the uh, uh, Atlas Obscura article for you guys uh, if you want to check that out. Um, I'm assuming they're still doing tours. I don't know, uh, but you can, give, you can give them a call there and find out, or you can go to their, uh, their Facebook page and check it out. I do believe they're still doing tours here and there, so it'd be awesome to do. Um, on the order of, of, of exploring things in Youngstown, I wanted to talk about one building in particular um, – that I have a real fun time going to. I've been there twice, and uh, I do want to go back, but it was one of the first buildings I ever explored in Youngstown. Uh, it was a factory, and as you guys know, I love me a good industry. I love me a good industrial. I love a good factory, and this place was the perfect, you know, the chef's kiss of busted-up old industrial ruins. Uh, the place is called General Fireproofing. All right, it's a, it's a massive abandoned factory uh, over... Um, I want to say it's on the northern side of Youngstown, all right? But we, we, we went there and checked it out. The, 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 the company, a little, a little history on the company, all right? Uh, the company uh, began in 1902. Uh, a dude named Herbert White got it going. Uh, and initially, they, they built fireproof construction materials, right? Makes sense, general fireproofing. Um, but uh, during the, the economic downturn of 1907, which I guess there was a, a dip, uh, they changed uh, to, to, to meet the demands of the time, and they started building steel office furniture, right? So think like vertical file cabinets and safes, fireproof safes and office desks and stuff like that, all made out of steel uh, using, you know, using Youngstown steel. Uh, you know, 1925, they introduced uh, uh, what they called the 1600 series uh, that they continued making with updates all the way through the 1970s. So these people were well-known for their products, all right? Uh, by 1929, they were they were making you know, office chairs. Uh, they, they had an office chair they called the Good Form, which just sounds, you know, ooh, <laughs> the Good Form. All right, uh, Comfort Master Executive Office Chair. All right, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, World War II rolled around and they, they they changed they changed things up and like like most factories did in those times, they were building airplane parts in, in the factory. And then once World War II was over, they shifted back to chairs and desks. All right, uh, but by the end of World War II, they were the largest aluminum working district in the in the country. They had the huge, the biggest aluminum working plant there. Um, anyway, um, so you know, uh, by the 1950s and 60s, uh, they were the industry leader. Okay, I, I, I mean, if whatever that means to be the the industry leader in office desks, they were it. All right, you know, shelving, cabinets, uh, all that stuff. Um, they even furnished railroad passenger cars, right? Sailing ships, that kind of stuff. They made all the chairs and pieces, parts that you'd put into those. All right, so it was a big, it was a big industry. All right, now uh, as 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 the 1970s rolled around, as you know, things started going south. All right, uh, competitors in other countries and other places started making things cheaper and making inferior garbage that sold. Americans are good at that. We like to buy cheaper shit. If it's cheaper shit, it must be better, right? <laughs> well. Uh, that's what put most of these businesses out of out of order, right? Buying some cheap garbage from from Japan or wherever it was that they could make it cheaper, and not here, you know, they closed these places down. So by 1990, uh, 
this huge building closed its doors. You know, general fireproofing was idled for good and has sat unoccupied since then, falling apart. Uh, it is scrapped to hell and gone. There's not a whole lot of metal left in it. Uh, in fact, there is a scrap a scrapyard within the premises. People, people. Well, I'll get to that part of the story in a minute. But people are scrapping things there still. Uh, from the outside, they're bringing it in and scrapping that. All right. Um, now we went there. It was an early Sunday, uh, a December morning uh, in 2018. It was cold as hell outside. I'll never forget that. It was. It had snowed the night before, just a little bit, a little dusting. All right. It was icy. All, all the water had frozen. Everything was cold. Uh, we parked in front of an abandoned house on a side street, right down the street from the factory. Uh, and this was early in the game of exploring, so we were still in that that weird place in our heads that that we we were so worried about anyone seeing us at all you know, doing anything, they were going to call the cops on us, right? Even though 99% of people could probably care less, especially that early in the morning, right? If they see you walking down the street, they're going to, they're like, whatever, I don't care. But at that time, we were still like, we got to, can't be seen, all right? And of course, as, as we're walking up to the factory, the, 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 main, the main gates, the main, you know, the sliding gates that would have kept people out, right, were wide open. Um, as we're walking through the gates and into the main yard, Right, the factory's off to our right-hand side. We're walking in, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like four or five of these pickup trucks come rolling up alongside. Um, and the guy just kind of looked us up and down, nodded at us, and then they kept driving. <laughs> and it turns out those were scrappers. Those were the scrappers that were working on the premises. And they left us alone. We left them alone. But it was kind of a, it kind of freaked us out at first. We're like, are these the owners? Like, who are these guys? We didn't know who they were. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, we won't bother you if you don't bother us and we're probably doing something illegal and you're doing something illegal. So let's just call it a day. Uh, now this place, like I said, was blown out, gutted. Uh, it had wood block, those, those creosote wood block floors that you find in a lot of, of factories, which was kind of cool. Uh, it was hard to believe looking at this place that it was still active as of 1990. Uh, we were walking, I want to say it was three stories. Right. It's your typical Albert Kahn style building. It's got the fluted uh, columns. Um, you know, it's all all you know reinforced concrete. It's your typical you know the brick outside was brick, right? It was all collapsing or falling. The brick was falling off the concrete. Um, if you've ever been to Packard Packard plant in Detroit, it's kind of the same setup, the same design, just very small, much 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 smaller than Packard. All right. Now inside, as we're wandering around. We noticed that there was barbed wire strung everywhere. Like think like 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 if they block off a road, if there's some kind of disaster, they block off the road with barbed wire so no one can get through. Like coils of barbed wire that have been set up uh, across big swaths of this of these empty spaces. We're like, what the hell is this? I had never seen barbed wire in a factory. You know, on fences, sure, but never never inside a factory. Uh, it was all coated with ice. Uh, it had rained the night before and then frozen, so it had all this, this ice hanging off of it. It was a really cool, it made for really cool shots, but we had no clue why the hell it was there. It looked like a set from Red Dawn, right? You know, it looked like the Soviets had parachuted in and set up a shop, and, you know, set up shop there, and Patrick Swayze was hiding somewhere in this old factory uh, with the Wolverines to attack them. It was, it was, it was like that. It, was, it had that feel to it, like they had used it as a set. Um... There wasn't too much graffiti in this place, but what we did find were uh, stenciled on the walls were, were German German and Cyrillic sayings. Now, I, I, I don't speak German, but I've seen enough of it. You know, my, my grandfather uh, was German. Um, 
and uh, I've seen enough of it. But that that like that fracture, that uh, that real fancy German script that you see, right? It was like the sayings were written on the walls, and then in other places you'd see sayings in Cyrillic, Russian, right? And we had no idea what they said. We took pictures of them. Um, uh, we posted these photos on Facebook later on, and the, the, the posts got canceled as hate speech. And when when we when we translated it, we found out that they were basically um, like propaganda from World War Two. You know, saying you know, kill kill the Russians, stop communism, you know, Hitler rules, and all these things. So Facebook had had somehow read that and assumed we were you know we were Zeke Heiling or something. I don't know, but but uh, they were they were slogans that someone had written on the wall. All right. Uh, now, later on, we find out that there had been a reenactment going on here. Somebody had, had, had rented the place and they had gone all out. This reenactment, this World War II reenactment group had set up shop there and had done this huge uh, battle, <laughs> you know, a fake battle inside this factory. So they had strung up the, the, uh, the barbed wire everywhere and they had written these, these signs and there was all this stuff. And <laughs> it became a joke. You know, we started calling it, well, this is the lost the lost battle of World War II, the battle of Youngstown, the battle for Youngstown, which happened. It was the last battle in World War II, right? The Nazis tried to invade Youngstown. So it became a joke for us. But, you know, we, for the longest time, we had no clue. What, what the hell is this? Like, what, what's going on here? Um, and we found out that they do it regularly. So on some Sundays, you might go exploring there and bump into these guys, all set up with their gear and uh, clothes and all that stuff. Um, so... Not an utterly amazing place, but it was one of our first non-Cleveland industrial explorations, right? At the very beginning of it all, you know, when I first started doing this back in 2018, uh, I had my junk Panasonic, uh, you know, and so all my shots from there, from my original trip there, you know, the windows are all blown out with light, right? Uh, you know, uh, grainy and blurry and whatnot, and I, I need to go back. I would love to go back to this place and check it out. It's a really kind of a neat little place, um, you're not going to spend all day there, but it's 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 kind of cool. It's kind of neat. Uh, and the whole time we were there, I forgot to mention, these scrappers were working in this yard across the way. You could see them. You could hear them. And we were terrified of these guys because we didn't know if they were going to do something to us or they could call the cops. Like, you know, we didn't realize at the time that these guys... These guys were there illegally themselves, right? They were scrapping old cars and, and stuff in the yard across the, across the way. Um, we, we didn't realize that they, they, they weren't going to call any cops. They didn't care. But we, we kept thinking that we, we were, like, ducking down, you know, to make sure that they couldn't see us. Uh, it was, it was kind of comical when I think about it. But, uh, you know, that's kind of how it goes when you start off. You, you haven't quite learned the ropes yet and what you can get away with. Anyway, so there's a couple tales from Youngstown. Um, there's so much more I can talk about, guys. I'm sure we'll have a uh, another episode at some point down the line. I'd love to talk more about Youngstown, all kinds of things. It's like Republic Rubber. I could get into that. But uh, we'll save that for another episode, all right? I've already gone over. It's like 46 minutes here. So <laughs> Anyway, uh, next week we are going to have a Q&A episode. All right, we had a really good one the last time around a couple couple months ago. Uh, if you are interested in asking a question, anything at all, anything you'd like to know, all right, anything we, about what we do, uh, you know, where we've been, uh, anything you want to hear, uh, drop us a message. Drop me a message over at Mr. P Explorers on Facebook. All right, just drop me a message over there or a message on uh, Instagram or, or wherever you follow me. All right, drop a message, and uh, I, I would love to add your question to the list. All right. Um, Hopefully it'll be a good episode then. I'm looking forward to doing that. Q&A episodes tend to be fun because it jogs my memory, and I remember stories that I, I may have forgotten otherwise. So uh, send me your questions, all right? Let me know. 
if you liked what you heard today, hopefully you did. Um, you know, give us a follow if you're not following us already. Uh, follow us. You know, follow. I keep saying us like third person. Why am I doing that? Follow me. All right, I'm Mr. P Explorers at Facebook. Uh, follow me at uh, on our Instagram account, Vero. Uh, we're on Twitter. All right, wherever you care to, whatever feels good. All right, follow us and 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 uh, and we'll see you there. All right. Otherwise, have a great weekend, guys. All right. Uh, Get out there and explore. Get your Christmas shopping done. Enjoy some time with your family. Whatever you feel like doing this weekend. All right. I hope it's a good one. We will see you next week. All right. So this is Mr. P telling you, as always, to keep on exploring wherever you go. Document it all. All right. This is Mr. P signing out.